I have a friend who asked me a question recently uh, that really stuck with me a bit, and I wanted to um, expand upon it with you, our listeners, on solving the financial puzzle. So thank you for uh, listening in again today. He asked me he asked me if I was happy. Now, I should say that this friend has gone through a little bit of some personal challenges, a divorce and things like that. And, uh, you know, while if you compare his uh, so-called plight to many other people, he has a lot to be happy about in, in his life. I mean, divorce is certainly not rare anymore. And uh, he's really he's got a lot of friends and all that. But he's going through a challenging time. And so when he asked me that question, if I was happy, I didn't even give it a second thought. I, I am happy. And a lot of it has to do with um, our clients, the people I work with. They're just wonderful, wonderful people. And, you know, the things that we're able to do would help them. Now, that may sound cliche, but it's the absolute truth. They also, you know, have had more than my fair share you know, that I deserve to have of great fortune. God has, uh, has treated me well, and um, I'm eternally grateful and, and try my best to, uh, to do good things with what he's given me. But it was interesting because I started thinking about investors and this issue of, are investors happy? So we're going through what I guess is the second largest bull market in U.S. history. Now, keep in mind, uh, as I always like to point out, there's more to investing than just large U.S. stocks, and that's the thing that people look at. But clearly, markets are up. Uh, we're going through this nice period of wealth being recaptured because, as you all recall, nine years ago, a lot was lost. And it's interesting because the conversations that I have with um, investors, clients, listeners, kind of gets to this issue of happiness a little bit. In 2008, when markets you know, were dropping half their value, it was understandable that people were unhappy. I don't know if they were under the assumption that markets would just always move up forever. You know, I don't think anybody said that markets move in a linear upward fashion, but living through it is always difficult. And I think that really, you know, obviously got to a lot of people who had never experienced anything like that. Of course, as we all know, the only people who lost are the ones who sold. So this, you would think now that markets are up, that everybody should be very, very happy. And yet, I get all these questions about, well, you know, it's been going up. It's, it's due for a crash or a correction, right? Probably the least favorite question I ever get. So let's go over some of the, the assumptions, what I would call false assumptions in that, in that statement. First of all, the year I was born, 1963, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was trading in the 600s. Now, 63, you may recall, that's the year JFK was assassinated. I uh, was born in February. He died right before Thanksgiving. We were, uh, you know, working on the space program. A computer was something that was in a back room somewhere that was huge. We all drove these big gas-guzzling cars. Everybody smoked. TV was mostly black and white. Radio was, was well... Probably as big as it is today, probably bigger, but always been big. It was a different world, though. It was definitely a different world in 1963. Things changed dramatically over the years to come. But between 1963 and today, 2017, there's been a lot of bad news. Really, really bad news. When I was a, I was a child and the Vietnam War was going on, and I remember thinking that, uh, you know, I was going to have to go to war. 
And my mother would, used to tell me that, no, don't worry about that. It'll be over by the time you reach that age. I was like six or seven when she was telling me this. It actually ended. See, I think, I, you know, so I had this conversation when I was six. It actually ended officially when I was 12. So, you know, who'd have thought a, law, a war could last that long? And of course, we're in a war now that's easily the longest war. And maybe like one of those wars that kind of never actually ends. We had all kinds of bad economic issues during my lifetime. And, uh, and yet through it all, we've seen that market go from 600 to now, you know, as of today, to around 23,000. Didn't move in a linear fashion, but it was upward sloping. And that's the game. That's what happens. Now, when people talk about things like corrections, that's easily my, my least favorite word because a correction implies that there was a mistake, right? I mean, you can only correct mistakes. So if for there to be a mistake, that would mean that somehow the market has inaccurately priced what stocks are worth. And this is, this is inaccurate because in an auction market, which is what we live in, the price is set by supply and demand. It is not set by some bureaucrat who feels that a company should be worth a certain amount of money. No, it's, it's purely based on what somebody wants to pay for it. So the house that you live in today, assuming you, you know, it's an older home, let's say if you live in a home that's 20, 30 years, well, it's worth far more than it used to be because somebody's now willing to pay more for it than they were way back when. Now, that may be just a function of inflation, or it just might be that your area got better. But it doesn't make the price right or wrong. It just makes that is the price, that everything we know about your house, it's already factored into the price. So it's what we, I was going to say, it's what we don't know that moves it. But no, everything we know about your, your house, it's already factored in, and the market will determine it. People will pay for it, whatever they want to pay in order to have it. If they want the house more than you do, and you know, if they want, they want the house and you want their money, and you can work it out great. The agreed price is the price. In fact, the agreed price will be the price that the tax assessor will use going forward. The tax assessor isn't going to come back right away until you've overpriced it. Now, if there's a housing decline, that's a different story. So it, it, if it's true with real estate, it, it has to be true with stocks. There is no correction. What happens is there's unexpected news. Unexpected news comes to the front which leads to a, uh, a reduction in the stock price, largely because demand for it isn't what it used to be. So at this moment in time, as I'm doing this recording, we have a situation where the, uh, the White House is thinking about changing the tax code. And one of the big changes they're looking to make is to lower corporate taxes. And ever since President Trump took office, the market has been expecting this because he ran on it. Hillary Clinton did not. So as soon as Donald Trump won, markets took off because they were excited they had a pro-business president. And the idea here was, okay, well, with him in power, if he lowers tax rates, companies are going to be more profitable, they're worth more. And so the, the price has been bidded up in anticipation of a tax reduction. Now, if for whatever reason that tax reduction doesn't come, you could very likely see prices go down. But it's not a correction. It's just a reaction to news. Now, I want to point this out because, again, this I began this segment talking about happiness. And, you know, are we happy when our portfolios go up? I would hope so. 
So if they're going up, why do we get anxious that they're going to go down? Especially when we understand that over time, they have always gone up. Again, the quality of life we lead today compared to the life that people led the year I was born, there, there is no comparison. It's, it's inconceivable. I just look at the way people spend their day now, so much of it technologically driven, for good and for bad. You know, people, you know how, it's funny, people in the 1960s, they used to spend their free time when they had nothing to do smoking. Today it's spent looking at their cell phone. <laughs> so I don't know which, which is worse, but they did. You were bored, you smoked. So understand that, that markets are never going to move in, in this predictable manner. They will always be unpredictable because news will always be unpredictable. Theoretically, though, they could go up forever. In fact, they kind of do. Again, just not in a linear fashion. So if you're going to ask, I used to say this all the time. I used to say, you know, I know the direction the market's heading. It's going to go to 20,000 or 25,000. I just don't know when. Now I do know when that was, at least for 20,000. So now the logical response I'm going to say to you is, well, they're going to go to 50,000. I just don't know when because they went from 600 to 23,000 in my lifetime. Why isn't it only logical to assume they would, they would continue to do that. Well, it is logical to assume that. That's just the way it's going to work. All right. Now, if we can agree that over time markets should rise, can't guarantee it, but logically that they should, then comes the issue of volatility. So the thought is, all right, well, if they're going to be moving in a volatile manner, isn't that a concern of mine? Because if I'm selling shares for income, I don't want to sell them when they're down. I want to sell them when they're up. Absolutely. You're absolutely right about that, which is why, particularly in your retired years, you need a portfolio that is less volatile than the overall stock market, certainly less volatile than the large U.S. stock market. But there is room for the U.S. stock market in your portfolio, I would argue, because if we're concerned about the money we need today, fine, don't put that in stocks. If we're concerned about the money we need 10 years from now, if you want it to really grow with inflation, who cares if it's volatile, as long as it's upward sloping over time. So let's try to get happy here, folks. All right, You live in the greatest time in the history of the world. You do. If you don't believe me, please read your history. There was never a greater time. Oh, sure, there might have been some people who had life perfectly. But, you know, we, we live in a time now where when someone gets sick, we just assume they're going to get better. We live in a time now where premature children, super premature children, are born and, and thrive. We live in a time now where you could have a relative move to the other side of the globe and you could literally see their face every single day, just like a phone call. It wasn't that long ago. If, if you lived in Minnesota and your child went to California, you may never see them but a few times the rest of your life. You know, you relied on letters and I mean, that's all nice stuff, but you understand where I'm going. This is the greatest time. Now, the greatest time will be 10 years from now. 10 years from now, it'll be even better than it is now. I do believe that. I just think logically you need to look at it that way. It doesn't mean we're, gonna, we're not going to have problems. We will. We will. I mean, life, life gives us those things. That's part of the bargain. That's part of the deal. But if you're truly you know, looking at things accurately, or I should say, if you're looking at things accurately, you're looking at the pros and cons, this is the greatest time, particularly if you're fortunate enough to live in the United States or Canada. Just fabulous, fabulous places to live. 
and we're not perfect. We never will be. But you know what? We acknowledge our lack of perfection, and we work very hard to improve it. Now, sometimes the steps we take to improve it cause more problems, but that's okay. Nonetheless, be optimistic. Understand that markets will move up and down. Understand that the role rebalancing plays when markets move up and down to make sure you keep your profits. But the volatility that's going to occur, if your plan was done properly, it's already factored it in. Now, if your plan wasn't done properly, and what I'm implying there is that maybe we didn't do it for you, <laughs> then you do want to factor that out. So, I mean, if you built your retirement plan under the assumption you would get a positive rate of return every year, that's a flawed plan, and you don't want to go that route. You need a plan that actually factors in volatility. And if you've never had that factored in, if you've never done what I like to call a retirement stress test, you need to get one. If you'd like one, I'd be more than happy to talk to you about how we do it. Reach out to me directly, area code 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. Or you can uh, email me, dan at matsonandscapril.com. You can also go to our website, matsonandscapril.com. If you've never received our Retirement Rescue Toolkit, you might want to get a copy of that, too. It's a very useful box full of great information that we're always adding stuff to. So... Thank you for uh, listening to this week. And, and please remember, you have a lot of reasons to be upbeat and optimistic. Don't let good news be a reason to, to stress. Life's not going to be perfect. You know, in the end, you know, it's like I like to say, in the end, it, it won't be pretty for any of us. But enjoy what you got. See the reason for being optimistic. You got to do the right work. Look, I'm not saying that you should just be, you know, be so optimistic that you're, you're certain the sun's going to rise in the West tomorrow. That, it, that's not going to happen. But if you do things properly, particularly when it comes to personal finance, they can work well. They really can. So I thank you again for uh, listening. Again, 513-563-PLAN is the number if you'd like to talk more. Until next time, I'm Dan Capril. Thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.